We welcome you in to another episode of Inside Boxing Live, your favorite boxing podcast that has been proven by science, the sweet science. Joining me every single week, former 140-pound champion, the busiest man in boxing media, Chris Algieri, and we have a lot to get to today, Chris. Devin Haney was victorious. Rafael Espinoza with a massive upset over Robesi Ramirez. We have a lot of fights this weekend. Showtime's final card, Bam Rodriguez for Sonny Overs. Jake Paul versus Andre August. I'll be on the call for that. It's going to be an awesome weekend of fights. A lot to get to on this episode. Chris, how are you, my friend? I am doing good. Getting to the end of the year. Not gonna lie, I'm a little tired. This has been a rough. This has been a rough year, a good year, but we've been very busy. A lot of fights to talk about, a lot of fights to call, a lot of traveling. But uh, all in, I mean, it's a good place to be. I'm not ready to to recap the year, but I have been thinking about it. I've been thinking about the growth of this show, the the explosion of big fights this year, and just like personal stuff, like being for you, you know, getting fully into the media game. Myself calling big fights, and it's been an awesome year. I'm not ready to recap it yet because it's still going on. Like we're still in the middle of it. Like, we still had a fight of the year this past weekend. Uh, with yeah. Rafael Espinosa and Robesi Ramirez. So there's a lot to get to on this episode, jam-packed one. Um, but we have to start with Devin Haney. Defeats Regis Progray. Perfect performance. I mean, I guess a stoppage would have made would have made it like a real exclamation point. But this version of Devin Haney is going to be really hard to beat, man. Landed 47% of his power shots. He held Progray to 36 connects, which is a new world record in title fights in CompuBox 38-year history. He threw about the same amount of jabs as he did power punches. He even dropped Progray. At 140, the way he's looking and the way he looked on Saturday night, this guy pitched a, nearly a perfect game. He's going to be really hard to beat at 140. Absolute masterclass on how to box a puncher. Um, Haney was truly the master boxer that night and looked great. I mean, 140, watch out, dude. He, he's stronger now. I mean, I, I still wouldn't say he's a power puncher at all. You know, he dropped the program on, on sharpness with a really, really nice lead right hand. Um, but physically looked great. He looked bigger than Progray, which I kind of expected. Progray's not a big 40 pounder. And Haney has been killing himself to make 135. So I think the future is really bright for this kid, man. I think he's going to be better at 40 than he is at 35. The only problem is a lot better fighters at 40 than there were at 35. And you got bigger guys, more dangerous guys. You got the Super Matthias of the world. You got Tiafima Lopez, who's. Uh, the man in, in my eyes, um, you know, it, it, JC Ramirez, I know he hasn't been around. I feel, I still think he's a very dangerous guy who's in the division. You got Ryan Garcia, who we talk about a lot, on, uh, you know, who I don't think he's at that level by any means, but could very easily talk himself, walk himself into uh, one of those big fights with those guys. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is interesting. The, the 140 pound weight division and the world really has been put on notice. Devin Haney is not going on pound for pound status at this point. I'm very happy that he got he's getting his flowers. You know, after that Lomachenko fight, so many more people were talking about the decision rather than yeah. a 24 year old putting together a, a really good uh, game plan and executing and going to the body and pushing Lomachenko to to uh, to the bitter end. And he didn't really get a lot of credit for that win. It was mostly about the decision for this one. It he got praise. Yeah, same here. Um, for this one, it was universal <laughs> praise. It was a guy that went in there at 25 in a new weight class, picks up a world title, and was able to do it while looking really, really good, really sustainable things in there. To be able to land like nearly 50% power and have the defensive skills like that, like a lot of it was Progray being, you know, just 
completely off balance and just out of his game plan, the, the 38-6 connects. But Haney has such a good jab that, that that's his main thing on defense, too, is that jab is, is a defender in itself. But the power punching, like you said, Chris, not a power puncher by any means, just so damn good with his timing, so precise. And you can get away with not having punching power if you could be that precise and your timing can be that good. It just felt like every movement he had in there on Saturday night was the right movement. So it is awesome to see like a new guy emerge. It's great to see someone like put together a virtuoso performance. I would say it's up there for performance of the year. I don't know if he'll be fighter of the year because I still think that's going to go to Inouye if he can knock out Topalis. Um, but I will say this is like a top four performance of 2023. Yeah, it's going to be hard to get ahead of uh, Inouye or Benavidez for fighter of the year. So I don't know if I'm necessarily going to look at Haney in that in that light. Uh, but in terms of performance of the year, absolutely, especially especially against a very dangerous guy. Ruguru was a guy that a lot of people held very highly, even off of the weakness of his last fight against Zaria. But Devin Haney, man, you spoke about virtuoso performance. His footwork is so underrated. He wasn't running. He wasn't just circling. He wasn't just being lateral. He was taking little steps right, little steps left, little steps back, little steps in. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, aside from just using his jab, well, he was using arm blocks, as elbow blocks to to block out anything that Regis Perger was going to do. Regis was missing by a mile. Right, and he looked. A he looked. Mile. He made him look almost like he was look, looking foolish in there at times. Absolutely. I mean, throwing punches where he completely misses and gets spun around, falls into the ropes. Um, I mean, missing jabs by eighteen inches, like whoa. Like he made he made a world class guy look like a novice. Yeah, I thought it was um, Progre uh, is a real. He's just a real guy. Afterwards, he's like, "Fuck, that guy's good." That was one of the <laughs> more hilarious post fight interviews. He's a lot better than I thought he was, as his face is completely bruised up. Damn, yeah. he's good. Uh, I, that's all he had, and and I don't know what's next for him. He goes from landing thirty six connects uh, against Haney. I think he landed forty against Zaria. Um, so he had a pretty rough year. Uh, another. I'm not going to listen. We were all looking at, at, at Progre as a live dog in this fight beforehand. So I'm not going to say I saw it coming from a mile away, this type of, of destruction, or or I'm not going to try to diminish Haney's win. But I, I don't know. We were texting prior to the show. I told you he was going to do it easily. I could post those texts if you want me to. But I think yeah. at least I was saying, all right, Haney plus 350 is a pretty, I mean, excuse me, Progre 350 is a pretty live dog. I mean, but Progre clearly uh, his best days are behind him. And I think that the Haney's once again. Um, found the right fight uh, at the right time, and now Haney is a is a mover now at 140. He's a guy at 140. He was a guy at 135, and now he's the guy at 140. I will say this, Chris. I want to see if you agree with me here. I love Devin Haney going his his resume. I mean, he's fought Linares, he's fought Lomachenko, um, he's fought Regis Progre. He's fighting these guys now that are, are are in there have a lot of experience. I would love to see Devin Haney in the ring with someone around the same age. Someone around the, the that type of fighter, and obviously the names are out there. the The biggest fight out there, I think, for him is Tank Davis, but I don't think Tank is a guy uh, that's going to be a f at one forty anytime soon. There's Ryan Garcia, which would be the biggest fight in terms of blockbuster. Tiafimo is the best fight to make at one forty. Matias is the most unrealistic because of the promotional divide and the, what he brings to the table. But you still have guys. Like uh, Sandor Martin, who's the number one contender for the WBC, who gave a tough fight to Tiafimo Lopez, who's under 30 years, years old. Jack Catterall, under 30 years old. All those fighters that I, I listed are under 30 
And I'm not trying to t- diminish anything that Haney has done in there or take away from his win versus Regis Progre, but I want to see him now against some of those guys that I just listed. Uh, yeah, I mean, we all want to see him against the the top. I mean, the four ho- I call him the four horsemen of the mm-hmm. of the 140 uh, pound di- division. Um, and although Ryan isn't as dangerous, you know, as as some of those other top guys, he's in there too based on his name and and what he brings to the table. Um, but listen, th- th- I think there's a lot of paths for what's next. I think it's probably going to be Paro, which is a name you didn't mention. Liam nobody, nobody really loves, but he's undefeated. He's got a glitzy record. And he signed he's a match room. Some, some big wins. He signed a match room. He fought on the undercard, had a spectacular performance against a guy who match room is highly touting. God knows why. Um, but he, that that fight just logistically makes a lot of sense. It'll be easy to make, and uh, Haney will have, quote-unquote, an easier type fight. And he's a younger guy, and he's got a good record, and whatever. Uh, but then it also gives time for this Roly Romero Ryan Garcia fight to happen. Mm-hmm. Now Ryan, if Ryan wins the fight, which is not a gimme, Ryan then has a belt. That makes that Haney fight make sense because right now it doesn't make sense to me. After their the on the backs of both their performances in the last two weeks, well, who in the hell thinks they should be in the same ring together? Well, Ryan like, even tweeted himself, "I'm fighting in March, and I don't think Haney's gonna be ready in March, so it makes sense for me to ro- to run it with Roley." Yes. Amen. Good job, Ryan. Good call out. That's a way to, yeah, that, I agree. And also, it's his only chance to be a world champion at this point. Well, doesn't he, he's like, not, he's not beating those other guys. Roley's in, well, apparently, O'Hara Davis will not step aside. I mean, this is semantics. I feel like they could maybe pay him to move aside because he, he has to fight, um, Roley has to fight O'Hara Davies. Oh, um, because that Barosho. Right. O'Hara, did that get moved? Yes, January 6th on the uh, Victor. Uh, Virgil Ortiz car, excuse me, January 6th. So what is that? That then lines up. That's for the interim, fight. yeah, to fight Roley. Uh, but there's so ways around. They, they what else is new? They right, mark up everything. Right, there's ways. They can they can pay Davies to step aside, but he has been pretty adamant on Twitter. Like, I am not stepping aside. I don't care what you pay me. I'm fighting Roley's for the title. Well, we'll see. We'll see when he zeroes around that check first, and then 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 we'll decide. But in a perfect that, world, though, I do agree with you. I, I agree with like the build up that Ryan Garcia fight. Um, with 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 Haney, um, another name too is like that's been been thrown around there is Subiru Matias. Like there's there was a rumor last week that Tiafimo Lopez has sent an offer out to Subiru Matias, yeah. but on a Pro Box TV interview, Subiru Matias showed his hand being extremely swollen. He can't fight uh, in February or March, so they're looking at like June for that one, which is interesting because I, I love the fight. I, I think Tiafimo Lopez could beat Subio Matias, and I think he could beat him pretty decisively. I think you would agree with me. And yeah. the only thing I don't like about it is June. So that means that Tiafimo will be out of the ring for one year. I mean, you know what inactivity does to him. I do love the fight. I love Matias versus Tiafimo. I love Tiafimo running right towards that. But I don't like the fact that they're circling it for, for Puerto Rican Day weekend. Well, I mean, it's awesome. I just wish it was like February or March. Yeah, uh, let me put on my fighter hat right now. Mm. There it if is. I'm Haney or Pro, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Pro Great or uh, Tiafimo. I am racing to get that Matias fight. Yeah. I think whoever tackles the 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 the, the, the badass in the division, whoever tackles that the the boogeyman, which Matias has turned himself into, and 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 the media is calling him that. Whoever tackles that guy first takes ownership of the division. And I think right now, like a lot of people are looking at the strength of Haney's performance, and you're like, whoa. But listen, six. Eight, I'm sorry, eight months ago, we were looking at Tiafimo's performance against Taylor like, whoa. Mm-hmm. So, like, we have two guys who are, I mean, 
bang, right there, based on their talent, their ability, their future, their potential, and their past performances in Haiti and Tio. And you're like, man, this division is is hot, but we have these two guys that are seem to be a different level than everybody else. And you got this guy, Subri Matias, who's peeking around the corner like, you know, everyone's like, ah, he's the baddest guy around. Dude, if I'm if I am Tio or or Haney, I am ch- chasing down the demon of the division because whoever takes that is going to take that step ahead, and he's going to be the man of the division. So, I and I also think both guys can beat him. I I so, agree. I agree. I think I, I th- actually I actually think both guys do beat him. Yeah, but not an easy fight for anybody because Matias is a beast and he hits really hard. He's very very dangerous, and anything can happen in there. Um, but I yeah I think I think that would be that would be the fighter move. But it's tough because I think more so Haney than Tio, he moves like a businessman a lot more than he moves like a fighter. Tio looks for the toughest opposition. And I think in his mind, he only wants to fight the baddest guys around because that's what gets him up. Yeah. Haney is a little bit different. He's got more, I think he has more more chiefs in the in the teepee figuring out what's going to be the next move. So yeah, I think Tio Fimo thinks he moves like a businessman, but Haney certainly does. And yeah. but and Haney is you can't deny what he's doing right now, 140. I, yeah, I do agree. It's like a race. To get that second belt, and Matias is standing in the way. He has it. It's less, less. It's more clear than what's going on uh, with the other belt and Roly and that whole situation with, with Davies. But the thing with Matias, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Matisse, not to a certain degree. But remember mm-hmm. when Matisse was mm-hmm. the boogeyman, and then and then Danny Garcia fought him on the undercard of Floyd Canelo, and everyone was like, "What are you doing, Danny Garcia? You can't fight him. You have bigger fights lined up. There's fights with Sean Porter. You know, there's fights with Thurman. Like, how can you fight this this?" punching machine and he outboxed them and he won and he made them look silly i'm not saying that can happen with haney and tiafimo but i would highly favor haney and tiafimo over matias uh because like you said on previous shows there are some holes in his game his defense is not great you just have to box in there and not you know stand in front of him like a lot of his previous opponents have have done but there is something clearly out there because haney is starting to uh, flirt with the fight with Matias too. There's rumors out there that he has an offer out there too. So they they see something. These fighters see something in Matias, um, a, a winnable fight, I guess, a, another belt. Because if they can make that um, fight between Tiafimo and Haney in a year or so with for all the belts, and they can knock off some big big wins in between, then that fight gets huge. But I, I do believe. Would you agree that Haney Tiafimo is the best fight on paper at 140? Yeah, like I said, I think those guys are in a class of their own. Right. I think they are just above everyone else. They're the A1 tier of the 140-pound division. Um, you know, you got, you got, like I said, you got the guy, Matias. Yeah, I mean, Perker was up there, too. Now he is going to get knocked down a few pegs. Um, JC Ramirez, wherever he wherever he ends up being. But then you got guys like Barbosa who are knocking on that door to be right there. He has a new promotional outfit with him. Um, Gary Antoine you know, Russell, who just never fights, but is very good. Yeah, he, his problem is his promotion and where he's at and, and right. his ability to get these fights. Um, but then we got we got Jack Catterall fighting Richardson Hitchens. That's that's a that's a real fight. Hitchens is good, and, but the thing with him is that like he's not exciting, but he's damn good. No, but he wins. But right. he wins, and he's got a really tough style. Um, I would like to see actually Hitchinson with Matias. I think I think he's got a lot of ability that mm. if he can deal with the pressure of Matias and because he doesn't get hit much, <laughs> he's got very good defense, keeps guys on the outsides, very good jab, got great conditioning. Um, I think that would be a really good test for him. And honestly, it's 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 not a foregone conclusion that Matias wins that fight in my in my eyes. Yeah, there's a, a lot of we know the four horsemen like you said, but there's a lot of guys like Sandor Martin, Jack Catterall, Hitchens, uh, JC um, Barboza, Barboza that could benefit from these guys not all fighting each other, and then them 
you know, jump, in. jumping yep. in and, and getting these big, big time fights. And um, that can certainly happen. But Devin Haney um, certainly got the most attention this weekend, but it wasn't the best fight of the weekend. The best fight of the weekend went mm-hmm. down on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rafael Espinosa, a minus 1500 underdog heading into the fight, upsets for Bessie Ramirez, uh, former Olympian, uh, world titleist at Featherweight. I wasn't able to watch it because I was watching. I was at a wedding in, in Orlando, but I was also watching the Haney fight uh, on my phone. Um, but I was getting tweets nonstop like, yo, you're missing the, the fight of the year candidate. You're missing the better fighters on ESPN right now. So I went and watched it uh, before we taped here today. And man, Espinosa, what a story. This is a guy that was a relatively unknown Mexican fighter, uh, 20 and 0, tall as hell, six foot one, 126, just had applied so much pressure. From the opening bell, 85, 87 punches thrown in the first four or five rounds. Gets off the canvas, badly hurt to to stop Ramirez, uh, excuse me, to drop Ramirez himself in the 12th. Awesome fight. Definitely not the fight of the year, but definitely in the in the awards uh, for fight of the year contender. Awesome, awesome stuff for, from Rafael Espinosa. Yeah, I mean, Espinosa, he's a six foot, 130 pound Mexican who throws over 100 <laughs> punches in the 11th and the 12th round. Awesome. I mean, that's a nightmare for anybody. And he's tough as nails. He got he got dropped hard. So he broke fell a, broke, twice. Broke a, bone, broke a bone in his foot in the second round. Yeah. Got dropped like hard, really hard. He, he got up wobbly. Got got wobbled multiple times throughout the night. Yeah, you know, he he's a nightmare for anybody. And especially against a guy like like Rabisi, who's I mean, he's a two-time gold medalist. I think this guy has like 10 or 11 amateur fights. And just he just did not care. He's like, I don't care what you have. I'm here to win. It was one of those fights, one of those performances where it's just like, that guy was not losing, leaving that ring without that belt. Yeah. He could not be denied. He threw 120 punches in the last round, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Copy box. Yep. <laughs> That's crazy. In the 12, he'd never been 12 before. I looked at his record, like, after, obviously, after the fact, and I'm like, this guy hasn't fought anybody. No. Never been 12 rounds, hasn't fought anybody, goes out there and beats for BC Ramirez, two-time gold medalist, who is a world champion currently as a pro, and is a badass and someone I've been actually holding really highly. He's been performing better and better and better each time out. I mean, what what a what a performance. Incredible. And a potential new star. Yeah. Mexicans for sure. are going to love him. Yeah. He gets up over the canvas. He fights for his family. He wins. He drops guys with body shots. How do you not love this guy? Yeah. I mean, I, we'll, we'll see what happens next if they go re- right to the immediate re- rematch. Because I don't, I don't, I don't count out Rabisi and winning in the rematch at all. Um but this guy just got struck gold, and he's got a potential to be, be something special. Yeah, I was really impressed with his pressure. Um, obviously impressed with the size, and he was able to apply a lot of pressure on Ramirez out of the gate. But then the the um, you know the adversity and the toughness mm-hmm. and you know, the mm-hmm. foot and in the middle rounds he was getting cracked with lefts cracked and rights and hurt and wobbled. Right, and I was like, okay, I can obviously I know who won the fight, but. If I was watching it live, I would have thought, okay, this is when Ramirez steps on the gas pedal, has him down to fifth badly, shows that championship pedigree, and you know, a, a tough guy that looked like he was going for an upset, uh, just it, he just doesn't see it happen. But then in the eleventh and twelfth, he ups the the pressure again, and he dropped with the thirty seconds remaining. I honestly think that was the the difference in the fight. I, I scored at one fifteen, one eleven. Uh, for Espinosa, but you never know how these judges. I think one judge had a draw. You never know how these judges are going to do it. So I think that knockdown in the twelfth sealed the deal. And afterwards, he said, "I did it for my daughter." I kept thinking about my daughter, thinking about because it's life changing now. He's a, now a a champion at one hundred and twenty six. 
You you got to think that top rank will try to run it back so Ramirez can get his title back. But imagine uh, Rafael Espinosa versus Luis Alberto Lopez, another guy signed to top rank, an- another tough fo- uh, fighter, another smaller fighter that seems like uh, could land some shots in Espinosa. But you're right, a new star at, at 126, and this is the best thing about boxing is on a night where you thought it was like you know an afterthought, the ESPN card because it wasn't a, a, a big one compared to Haney Progre. You got a kid who's unknown, uh, who is now a star, and and he's Mexican, and he's a champion. So that was, I thought, one of the cooler stories of the year and why I love boxing, because it can just come out of nowhere, and his life has changed forever now. Yeah, I mean, most of the card looked like mismatches, even the main event, if you looked at it on paper. Mm -hmm. And then we get a fighter of the year candidate. Um, And whether he's a a potential future star or not, he's he's a potential player in this division with a lot of tough guys. So... Now we get a new face. We got a, re- a new name, and, and listen, like I said, six foot, one hundred thirty pounder throws 100, over hundred punches around in, in in round twelve. That's a very very dangerous man. Obviously, he's tough. So shoot, bring him, bring him, bring him, bring him to the party. He gets bring an invite. Him. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on with Lee Wood. I think he's hopping up to one thirty. Uh, I think there's one vacant title. Uh, Luis Alberto Lopez has one, and Ray Vargas has the other. All fun fights, but it's just another Ray, name. That's another really tall guy. Both these guys. Yeah, they can go at it. I, th- I think there'll be a rematch, though. I think top rank I will, do too. will I try do too. to give their guy a rematch because they have big high hopes for Ramirez. I think they were even Absolutely. trying to have, uh, you know, Inouye one day look at him. If Inouye keeps going up uh, in weight, uh, they were trying to angle for that fight. So, I don't know. I think Ramirez showed some flaws. I think Espinosa, too, even in a win, showed some flaws, too. He was <laughs> defense. Uh, smaller guys can land that yeah, right. And also just... Uh, I mean, I don't want to say chinny, but he was affected he's definitely by chinny. a lot of those shots. Yeah. Affected by, uh, and tall guys usually are. And he's going to fight nothing I, but small guys. Yeah, and that's why I was I was impressed with his conditioning because a lot of times guys who are sucking weight, who are that big and have trouble, you know, getting getting down on weight. I mean, that's, that's tough to yeah. get down to one twenty six or six six foot one. Um, usually those guys can be can be weak, especially late in fights. So I was really impressed with his output, but yeah, the chin is 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 an issue. Friday night, going to fight preview mode, Jake. Paul is stepping back into the ring. I just got off a Zoom call with him, fighter meeting. He is the uh, he's predicting a first round knockout over Andre August. Andre August is a professional boxer. For how many times have you been asked, Chris? I know I've been asked a ton of times. When is Jake Paul going to fight a pro boxer? Well, they got one in Andre August. He's ten and one, five knockouts. He fought um, this year. Uh, he had a four year layoff before that. Uh, he has five knockouts. Uh, he has the most knockouts that anyone's ever fought. Uh, Jake Paul, any of his previous opponents, has the most wins. Definitely has more experience than than Jake. Um, this should be interesting. Uh, I I don't think Andre Ruggs is, is a pushover. Watch some of some of his fights. I do think he has hands. Uh, we'll see if he can perform under the bright lights, like you just talked about. Because I talked to him as well, and he's like, "Man, I don't care about fame. I don't care about anything. He's a small town guy." I'm like, dude, you're stepping onto the one of the biggest stages you could possibly step onto right now. Uh, it's on regular to zone too, so it's not like a pay per view. So I think there's gonna be a lot of eyes on this fight between uh, Jake Paul and Andre August. Yeah, what what is this weight weight class? This I be believe it's 185. 185. Yeah, which isn't a which isn't a weight class in boxing, by the way. Cruiserweight. Um, yeah. Boxing's armpit. Yeah, well, cruiserweight's really 199, but <laughs> making their own weight class. The beginning is yeah, isn't it cruiserweight considered one. 185 and above. No? Uh, well, no, 76 and above. 76 and above, that's right. Because light heavyweight's 175. So anything above 176 is cruiserweight. So yeah, it falls into cruiserweight, but um, it's it's essentially a catchweight. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, interesting. See, again, he's fighting a real a, a boxer. Obviously, like you said, he's not a guy who's been very active. He's not a guy who's been fighting uh, the cream of the crop. But um, it's curious to see where he goes. Because I mean, how many Jake has? How many fights? Seven, eight fights. This yeah. is a ninth pro fight. Mm -hmm. Fighting a guy who's ten and one and one. You don't often see that, but um, the guy is a little older. He's thirty-seven. Hasn't been with top guys. So yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a properly picked opponent but um we got to see what he can do with a real boxer because listen even even I, listen i always say with guys will fight like if you have five or six pro fights like you know how to fight so and it, i'm talking about boxing and this guy probably knows how to fight so let's see what jake can do with him i know jake one thing i can say about jake is he trains for real and i re i respect that he respects the sport to do that um so i know he's going to be prepared he's probably been sparring with guys who are a lot better than than august but it's different when you take those headgears off it's different yeah. when you put the small gloves on let's see what he can do with a guy who boxes. I don't want to age August more than he already is. I think he's 35 years old because we had a conversation earlier today, and I said, you're doing this for all the mid-30s out there, those, those, those mid-30 guys like myself who are trying to achieve greatness on the competitive field, me and Blitzball, Andre August in, it, you know, in the boxing Yeah, ground. but August, August can't take the steroids that you do. I don't take you're, any steroids. Okay, you're neither, an untested athlete. I, I don't take any steroids. Neither does Andre August. I don't want to put that on him. I was gonna say you're looking like you're filling up that jacket a little bit. I don't know what's going on. I will be down in Orlando. I know you on don't. I know you don't work out, but I'll be on in, <laughs> down in Orlando on the call for this fight with my shirt off. Um, that's gonna be cool. I think they're flying in Ariel Hawani. Um, nice Grisham. Uh, this is gonna be. Uh, it's pretty cool in terms of being there ringside, and it's part of the MVP. Uh, prospect show they're calling but this is a special feature um and that's something i asked jake too in the in the fighter meeting i was like okay why this guy now uh why a pro boxer why a smaller venue why a regular zone and he says i want to go the traditional boxing route i wanted you know if i was nine and one boxer not named jake paul i'd probably be fighting on this card but way down in the card and yep. i'd be fighting in a small hall and i'd be working my way up i want to try to do that because one day i want to be a world champion He's fixated on that. That's his new goal in boxing is to become a world champion. And I asked him once again, I was like, okay, what's the timeline for that? Like, what, when do you think you would be become a world champion? He said two to three years, which I thought was very, like, realistic. I, I, I'm not saying he'll win a world title, but he's not saying, all right, next year I'm going to get a world title. It's like three years. Yeah, no, and it, that that's uh, and I, that that shows maturity. And like I said, um, I respect that he respects the sport and it's going this route. And I think it's smart of him to go into these smaller shows. Granted, he's going to be the main event of it on the zone, which you would never get unless you were Jake Paul. Right, there are some but, perks to being Jake Paul. Yeah, yeah, he does have the resources to one stay active, to have I mean great trainers and training, which he has done throughout his his short career. Uh, but yeah, to move slowly the way he can and stay active, I think is really is is a good idea. Yeah, he's three gonna, fights this year. He, he gets to experience um, a lot of the things that occur on the way up, which prepare you for those championship fights. Is he ever going to be world champion? That's hard to say. I mean, we got to see how he progresses. It's a long way, and three years is not that long. Um, but if he stays active and he gets four or five fights a year in those three years, we're looking at a guy now who has over 20 fights. Right around the 20 fight mark is when guys are like, all right, sign for a world title. Well, that's what I, I'm curious if I had a follow-up for him in this fighter interview, but it wasn't like a real interview into fighter meetings like they're not like real interviews so if i had a follow-up i would say okay so you want to get to that experience right you want to fight four or five times a year he's fighting three times this year which is more than any other top yeah fighter. but one of them was a loss so you're going to take more time off right 
So I would ask him, okay, you want to be a world title in three years, but from this fight with Andre Augusts, are you going to look for another Andre August type, you know, in February of next year or March of next year, or are you looking for KSI? Are you looking for a rematch with Tommy Fury? Mm, are you looking for the question. biggest fights possible? Because it is prize fighting. I mean, he's in this for a reason. It's, it's to make money, and it's also, of course, you know, some personal things that he was telling us about how boxing gives him a purpose in life. But I'm curious if he's really on this world title path, um, if he'll really stick to it and keep fighting guys like Andre August or slightly better to get those rounds. Because he said, I want rounds, even though he did predict the first round knockout. But I want to go through the. I want to go through it. I want to get in the ring. I want to do the ring walks. I want to be part of a fight, and I want to just keep that going. So I'm curious where where his career will go. Because that's one thing about Jake Paul. You might not like him. You might not like him, think he's good for boxing, this, that, and the other. But you have to be intrigued by like how he handles his boxing career because it's so unconventional. It's like, yeah, I can go out and pick off like an old MMA guy. I can go market uh, a fight here with uh, Conor McGregor one day, or find a, a boxer who, like a you know a JCC Junior. Um, I'm curious to see where he'll go from here. If he'll stick with the traditional route, or he will go back towards you know fighting uh, MMA guys. I think a lot of it's going to depend on how he does. You know, and how this kind of works out and how these fights progress, because he can always go back to making tons of money fighting, you know, those those other guys that are not going to help his trajectory to get to a world title. But if he really wants to be a world champion, he's not here for the money. You know, the money comes after, but um, he's going to be making money either way. But if he just wants to make big money and just fight those other guys who can't beat him, it's a very easy route to take because he could just like, man, this isn't working out and go that way. But if he's if he's really adamant about being a world champion or at least attempting to get himself in that, into that position, then he's got to stick to his guns and 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 stick to this grassroots route where he's going to be working his way pa past guys like August and and above and 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 incrementally fight tougher guys. Yeah, he's showing some improvements, Paul. He's throwing more punches, power punches are up, body punches, all that's up. So we'll see how he does against a quote unquote real boxer. Uh, and Andre August, that's the main event Friday on regular DAZN co-main event. Franchon Cruz DAZN versus Shadeja Green. Uh, it's for the 168 world title fight. Shadeja Green is a knockout artist. She's signed to MVP. She's 13-0 with 11 knockouts. Franchon Cruz Azern has been in the ring with Chris Shields, uh, Ellen Cedarus. Uh, she's a vet. So this is a fun fight in the co-main event. And something I hear about women's boxing, I'm sure you, you hear it too, Chris, is not enough knockouts. Uh, it's usually go to distance. That's not the case with Shadeja Green. This woman throws heavy leather. She got 11 knockouts in 13 fights. Yeah, I think I called her last fight against Sid Ruse, who's a very tough, tough, tough woman. And, and uh, Shadeza got her out of there. She can she can really punch and she's got the mentality for it. I always talk about like knockout punchers and not, it's not just about having that that one hitter quitter. It's about having the mentality, put your nose on the line. And she does. She goes for it. She's looking for it. She believes in her power. So she makes it she makes it exciting. This is actually a good fight. And Franchise Cruz, that's my girl from from the Northeast. She's she's she can fight and she can really fight. And she's good at fighting punchers. She's a good boxer. She's slick enough. She's athletic. She moves. This is uh this is a real matchup. I, I don't know who's gonna win this fight. This is one of those pick 'em type matchups. And uh that's it's it, and it's actually gonna be interesting because we got power and we got someone with some good boxing skills. Yeah, Cruz de Zern is like the vet, even though they're on the same age. They're on the 2016 World uh, same uh, US team, but they had some type of beef. Um Green didn't want to get into it. I brought I wrote up to Cruz Desern. I said, "Oh, I guess you guys had like a misunderstanding of beef back in the day." She's, I can't believe she's still talking about that. So there is some type of beef that I'm gonna have to get to the to bottom of in, in Orlando for the talking points, or at least Grisham will try to get that out of them, right? Yeah, he, he's he's good at prying. Ariel, 
the investigative journalist. We'll try to get that out. Oh, so the, yeah, I know. <laughs> there's a history here. There's a history between Cruz Desern and Shadiza Green. And Green um, signed with MVP. I know she's got her, her sights on Shields. Um, Clarissa Shields. That would be interesting. If if because um, Cruz Desern uh, already fought her, but she wants to get back to those big fights too. She's at the end of her career. They're the same age, but I feel like they're at different points of their career. Desern already became undisputed. She won all the belts and she fought uh, some bigger names in her short time in boxing. Uh, Green is thirty four, but she's just this is a, the biggest fight of her career, uh, biggest stage by far, and she wants uh, Clarissa Shields at one sixty eight. You know, they're very different trajectories. I think Franchon Cruz fought. Uh, First fight, pro debut, right? Yeah, both, both pro. their pro debuts, which it's a hell of a pro debut for both of those ladies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no opposite opposite trajectories in terms of their peer their their career arcs, um, which also makes it interesting. That's another it's another storyline for the fight. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's one to actually tune into. I mean, and that's another thing Jake Paul's doing. He's he's giving the the, the ladies their flowers on on these shows, um, getting these big matchups. They're getting platformed and are also getting money. Giving them their shine. That's Friday night regular DAZN. Um, check it out. That should be a fun one. Saturday night on DAZN. Big weekend for DAZN, huh? Uh, main event, Bam Rodriguez versus Sonny Edwards. A fight that was announced way back in the middle of the year, and it's kind of snuck up on all of us. Great fight. Bam Rodriguez, Sonny Edwards. Bam is the minus 220 favorite. So um, I think Bam should win this one. But I'm looking at Sonny Edwards' style, and he's five foot three, and he has a 60-inch wingspan. He is a very, very small man, and he's able to fight with this stick-and-move style and frustrate his opponents. I don't know if he's able to do that with Bam. Bam with his angles and everything. I just don't think Sonny Edwards can get a decision fighting that style, not being the aggressor, not coming forward. I don't know. I think the judges, one thing I can't get into the mind of a judge, but one thing I have seen is they tend to favor the aggressor. I don't know if Sonny Edwards can win a fight on his back foot is what I'm trying to say. I, he can again. The issue is going to be power, though. Mm. Is he going to have the physicality and the power to stop Bam in his tracks? Because Bam actually has great footwork too, but they have very opposite footworks. Bam create uses footwork to create offensive angles. He creates right. angle. I mean, sorry, he cuts angles to create offensive opportunities. Mm. Whereas Sonny's the opposite. Sonny uses lateral movement to frustrate and defensively keep his opponents off balance so then he can he can counter with with uh with shots but there's just not a lot of power on his movement because he moves his feet so much he's very hoppy and he's very you know he moves around a lot doesn't doesn't really sit down on his punches all that much if he can't get the respect of bam i don't see how he wins right and i think bam who's got heavy hands who cuts angles um those that footwork he does is, is actually pretty flashy the way that Bam cuts around, but it creates those awesome openings and he does damage with his punches. I think that's going to be the biggest difference, but I could see Sonny outboxing him just with footwork, footwork alone, and having Bam, who at times needs to be a little bit set. If you catch him at the right time, you take the wrong, if you take the right step as he cuts those angles, you can leave a big gap and make him look a little silly swinging for the fences. So there's going to be opportunities for Sonny to, to, take advantage of bam's footwork with his own footwork but for me it's, it's going to come down to if he's going to be able to get the respect of bam if he does we have a real fight and i could see sunny winning the fight um i lean towards bam because i always say on the show bam's my guy i love mm. bam i love the way he fights um but this is a really really difficult fight for both men um i gotta do some deep deep studying this week actually but um good fight really very good fight, good fight. very fights unification at flyweight 
You know, there hasn't been a American, there hasn't been too many American flyweight champions. You have to go back yeah. to um, long, long time ago. Mark Two Sharp Johnson, Brian Villora, yeah. and then it's Jesse Bam Rodriguez in, in recent times. So that's something uh, in this fight too. Obviously, Bam's going down from Superfly down to one twelve. You brought up the power or lack thereof of Sonny Edwards. Only has four knockouts in his twenty fights. He's a guy that stick and move type of fighter. With Bam, though, like obviously we we sung his praises for the last couple of years. He had those huge wins over Rungvisai and Quadras, but you can make a case that both of those guys were a little past it. It was the two fights after that, the Israel Gonzalez fight, which was on the uh, Canelo Triple G card, where he was in a way tougher fight than he thought, and then his last fight against Christian Gonzalez, where he broke his jaw. You know, he didn't look like vintage Bam that we saw against Quadras or Rungvisai. Yeah, but he still it went on his worst night. Bam Rodriguez puts up unbelievable offensive numbers. So if he does, he's not on his A game against Sonny. I still think he's he can he's better than Sonny Edwards. Uh, uh, come fight night, that's just how I'm looking at this fight. I I don't know. I don't know. I think I think you're over you're underestimating Sonny a little bit. What's the power, man? I just would you agree though? That, like the judges are all over the place. But one thing I've seen, even on the club level, right up to the top. If you're coming forward and you're looking to land, they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt in these in these swing rounds. It depends. It depends on the judging. And that's something that is contracted beforehand. So here's a little inside boxing for you, and that's the name of the show. Um, you can you you have uh, a say in who referees and judges fights. You know beforehand, and you can turn guys down, you can add and you can refer for other guys. Um, and that's something that that a lot of times fight when you're looking at the highest level guys, those little things really matter. And that's where negotiating really matters and doing the work beforehand. The fights are sometimes one of the negotiating tables, especially when they're really, really close. So it depends. It depends on what you say, but listen, boxing is boxing. If you're out boxing a guy and you got him missing and you're touching him up, it's hard. It's hard not to. And I always said that in my career, I'm like, they're going to see what I'm doing. I'm going to make it so clear. I may not be the biggest puncher in the world, but I'm going to make it clear. And, and Sonny has that ability. Um, Problem is that he's got Bam in front. Of him. <laughs> Who's going to land stuck. the harder shots? Another thing too, the, the judges look for is that clean, effective. You got to land. Punching. You got all the power in the world. If you can't deliver it. It doesn't really I, matter. It's true. That's why this is such a fun fight. This is it why is. this is such it a is. fun fight. You never really see this type of interest in these lower weights. You did with the Superflies. Went down even lower to one twelve. Sonny Edwards has been looking for a big fight for years. He signed with Matchroom. He's with Eddie Hearn. But you have to figure if you go to that too with the you know negotiating judges and and that and the other. Wouldn't Matchroom want um, Bam to win? Don't you think he's a little more... Actually, what do you think? What do you think Matchroom would want to win? Because Sonny Edwards, you got the whole international UK fans. Bam, good ticket seller in Texas. I don't know much outside of it. Yeah, so I think in terms of a star on this side of the States, yeah, sure, Bam is going to be the guy you're going to want. But, I mean, the fans on the other side are huge, and they're awesome. Mm. And you got a guy like Sonny Irwin. This could propel Sonny into into a different space, a different stratosphere. And so, I don't know. I don't I don't think that it, it, it behooves, you know, them if, if uh, Bam is victorious over Sonny, you know, if they're going to lean one way or the other. Um, I think I think either way, a win here, you got a, a really marketable guy. Yeah, I'm going with Bam decision. I think we'll be some tough spots. I think we'll be frustrated early on. But I think, yeah, even on, on his worst day, Bam can find more, more offense than Sonny can. That's what I think. Yeah, I, I got Bam too. I, 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 not only 
do I just like Bam? I, I like the way he fights. I like his style, and I think he's a very difficult style to deal with because of all the uh, the offensive opportunities that he creates. Yeah. And I think he'll be he'll do enough to cut off the ring and and, and be able to to um, combat the movement of Sonny. But it might be a very very close fight. Definitely gonna be close. I'm not gonna say it's a Bam in a wash like he did with Quadras or Rungvisai, but it, and you know those last two fights I can't get it out of my head. You know he did, was getting tagged. Um, he yeah. was getting hit. Yeah, he gets hit. He gets hit, gets but hit. that's just thing with Edwards. He doesn't have the, the power to really to to move him uh, in that one. That's really it. Um, some other news. Oh, Showtime. Showtime's final show. Their final telecast. This weekend, it's David Morrell. It's not a great card for their final showcase. It's kind of like HBO went out in it with a whimper, and Showtime is as well. What's your favorite Showtime fight of all time? Ooh. Damn. Um, Put you on the spot there. Yeah, it's, that's a tough one. I'll today. tell you mine. I mean, obviously, you, your mind goes to uh, Diego Corrales and Castillo. Um, Great fight. Um, um, I, I'm going to go with Maidana versus Broner. Do you remember that one? Yep. Where, yep. where Maidana gave Broner his first loss, 2014, I want to say. It was a, I think it was down in Texas. It was like a freaking lion's den down there. Uh, everyone was on this Broner hype train. And it delivered in big ways. It was on regular Showtime then. And it was right when Floyd came over. So Showtime was getting a lot of shine. And uh, we were wondering if, if they were going to be able to compete with HBO. And that wasn't a big Floyd fight, but it was still huge because Broner got knocked off. That was a great one. Yeah. I got asked about, like, I get asked about these kind of, oh, what was your favorite fight in, on, on this promotion or, or this fight or that network? I'm like, I don't care about what network it was on. It's a fight. <laughs> I remember the fight. Like, so I, I never really think of the promotions that they were on or, or the network that they were on. Like, I got asked, what was your favorite Don King fight? And I was like, I don't know. That's so, like, yeah, it's way too, like, even though I follow sport like a freak, like, I, I guess Tyson or someone. But Diego yeah, Corrales. I, said, I was like, I guess Tyson versus yeah. somebody. But, yeah. Diego Corrales, Luis Castillo won, obviously, is one of the best fights ever. Uh, mm -hmm. Slugfest. Israel Vasquez, Ma Rafael Marquez. They had oh, a trilogy. Those fights are hard to watch. Trilogy. Oh, they, killed e they killed each other. Uh, I just got a text from Todd Grisham. Yo, are you doing CompuBox notes for the Jake Paul card? That's not as fun as I thought it was going to be. That wasn't, yo, that wasn't fun. Send me what the info I need. Um, yo. Yo. Uh, what else we got? Ty Mike Tyson versus Vander Holyfield. That's the thing about Showtime that people don't remember. is like Mike Tyson, yeah. when he got out of jail... He yep. went to Showtime, and Showtime was losing badly to HBO. HBO was a behemoth in the mid-'90s. Then Tyson came over, and some of Tyson's biggest fights ended up on Showtime. Another one, mm -hmm. too, is Marvelous Marvin Hagler and John Mugabe. It was on Ooh. tape delay. wasn't on live, but that's one of Hagler will tell you that was the toughest fight of his career. It was the one right before. When's the last time you watched that fight? It's been a while. But that's I, an awesome fight. It's that's an awesome, awesome fight. It's a grueling fight. Yeah, um, Marvin was fantastic, and Mugabe was so dangerous. He, he, he just was so strong. <laughs> he could really punch. Marvin had to be on his P's and Q's all night long. You could tell. That took a lot of, a lot of mental fortitude from, from Hagler that night to stay focused, to stay, to stay sharp with such a dangerous guy. And Hagler went on to fight uh, Ray Leonard right after that fight and then never yep. fought again. That was on regular Showtime, so it's hard to believe Showtime will shut its doors. The final Showtime card this weekend uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, of all places, where David Morrell has a fan base, which is, hmm. it is what it, they will sell that place out. The Armory in in Minnesota cool. has become a venue. I don't know if that yeah. will be the thing next year because um, this isn't exactly breaking news, but Amazon Prime officially signed on with the PBC, 
uh, two-year deal, 12 to 14 shows a year. From what I'm hearing, six pay-per-views and then six regular championship fights that will appear on Amazon Prime. Um, I like it. Uh, something we reported on a while back. I don't see how this is a bad thing because they're going to put shoulder programming on uh, Amazon Prime. So like a you know Crawford Spence 2 all access is going to be, when you open up Amazon Prime Video, it's going to be right at the top. Like when on a Thursday night football game, when it's Thursday night, they'll show like w- click here to watch Thursday night game. Like it's right there. So I would think that they would put their product up there too. I don't see that as a bad thing. They have over 100 million subscribers. I think you're bringing boxing into the forefront, bringing into the next stage. I just want to know how many more fights there will be because 12, 14 shows is not enough for that PBC roster. No, it's not. It's and it's it's not gonna it's not gonna handle. It. He's got way too many way too many fighters. Um, and it's gonna be a big opportunity. You mentioned the, the platform and the eyes that are gonna be involved. It's gonna be a big opportunity for a lot of guys coming up. So this year is gonna be a big breakout year, I believe, for some of these fighters and the owner cards who are gonna mm-hmm. get the opportunity to be platformed in front of so many eyes. So yeah, I agree with you. I, I I don't see it as a bad thing. I just see it as a transition into the future. And I think we're gonna see all of these fights on streaming platforms this way. Um, this is the hopefully the first year of many. And hopefully it expands beyond this because like he's 12 fights. It's not not only is it not going to do it for all the fighters. PBC, it's not going to do it for us fight fans. We need more fights than that. Well, I heard there's another network involved. It's got to be. No, there has to be. But even on even on Prime, we need we need more fights. It would be nice to have more. I, I think they went in pretty, you know, more slowly, dates. slowly went in with just 12 to 14. The other network, though. Is not getting the best fights. Like the best fights are the pay per views we saw last yeah. year the Tank Ryan's, the Benavides Plants, the Spence Crawford's. Those are huge, and that's going to make Amazon some money. The other six, like Showtime Championship level type of fights, those are still fun cards, and those are going to be on Prime too. So this second network is not getting top names. They're getting, not getting, they're not getting the top billing. Friday night fight esque fights, which I think are very important. Like, very, very important. Right, Pro Box. A, num- a number fights. of ways. They're important for the fan base to have contact and connection to the fighters, and they're important for the fighters to get that experience and get that that's that secondary level, that sub that sub championship level, that sub championship tier um, is really important for them to go through the process. So when they do finally get to that upper echelon level, they're prepared and they're willing and they're ready uh, to put on the shows that the fans really deserve at that level. Yeah. Cause if they don't do, if there isn't a second network, there's going to be a lot of fighters, mid-level fighters leaving PBC in droves and they'll go, to, there will be no middle class. If yeah. That's the case. <laughs> well, yeah, it's true. They, they'll go to, you know, top rank. They'll try to go to match room. It remains to be seen. So right now we know that, that Amazon will be picking up the slack next year. First one, March I'm hearing it could be tank Davis pay-per-view in March or, or Spence Crawford two. Uh, the first Amazon Prime pay-per-view, which is a whole new world we're entering, and I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm excited about this whole weekend. A lot of fights. A lot of uh, we'll be all over covering it. I'll be down in Orlando uh, trying to get some more content, calling these fights. Should be a good one, Chris. Should be a great weekend, as always. We're, We're barreling towards the end of the year. Great weekend in a great month in a great year for boxing. Yes. Remember to keep your hands up at all times. Protect yourselves at all times. Uh, Send Chris some steak. Goodbye.